something that took me a while to figure out was that I don't have to carry subpar knives in my in my camper van. The thing is, growing up, my mom, she had her camping knives and then her kitchen knives. And although she wasn't particularly chefy or anything like that, uh, she wasn't a, a food geek, the you know, the, the house knives were always better than the camping knives. And that's just how you thought back then. It was a long time ago. <laughs> uh, but at any rate, I, I found myself doing the same where I had some kind of crappy knives in the van. And then I wanted to cut some meat that wasn't, wasn't real easy to cut. And I realized, geez, my good knife is home. Uh, that's when it kind of dawned on me that I don't have to have terrible knives <laughs> in my van. In fact, in fact, if anything, I want some as good or better equipment in my van because I carry less stuff. So the stuff I carry needs to be a very good quality. So, so, uh, sharp knives make cooking and learning to cook even much more fun, much more enjoyable. And so I just want to talk about, uh, knives just a little bit, cooking knives. And specifically we'll talk about what to look for in a chef's knife. Now I could get into butcher knives and, uh, fillet knives and steak knives and all kinds of stuff, but we're just going to focus on the the standard chef knife for now. We'll get into some of that other stuff later, and or you'll find information about all those all that stuff for cooking in the van over at vansage.com. At any rate, uh, here's a partial list at least of what to look for in a good knife. I think number one, it's probably size actually eight to 10 inches for a chef's knife. You don't need anything bigger than that. A 12 inch, even a 10 inches kind of pushing the limits. If, if you're, if you're cook, if you're cutting a lot of meat, maybe get a bigger knife, but for standard everyday use, eight inches is plenty. Uh, but, but uh, probably almost never a 12 inch chef's knife, unless you're just a big person and you have a lot of room and you're powerful, that kind of thing. That's fine. You know, Use the biggest knife you want, but but I just find eight to ten inches to be great for a chef's knife. The next thing I would look, I would consider, and take very seriously is weight and the balance and feel of any knife you're going to be using on a daily basis. You want some weight in the handle. So some plastic handled knives, there are some really great knives with plastic handles, but sometimes the handle can feel really light, and you actually want to be balanced at about where the blade meets meets the handle or somewhere in there so that it's uh, you, you you can use the weight of the knife to to slice and cut versus your versus using the your, the muscles in your in your wrist and arm uh, so even if you're going to buy online buy a knife online you know when it shows up take it out and get a feel for it make sure it's going to work for you in terms of weight it's probably better at least to go to a mall and and go to some kitchen shops and and try some knives. And just by doing that, you can go, well, I know that hardwood handled knives feel the best or whatever it is that that you decide you really like. And then when you do shop online, you can kind of tailor that shopping for the for the, the material that you like. So yeah, another issue is carbon content. So these knives that are pure stainless steel they're very difficult to sharpen, and I recommend learning how to sharpen your kitchen knives. Uh, of course, a sharpening service, they, they don't care what the material is. They can make it sharp no matter what because they're using high-powered precision machines 
to sharpen it. But if you want to sharpen it, sharpen it yourself, a carbon higher carbon content knife. And, and so that gets complicated and I won't dig into that here, but you can do some research on your own for any brand or style of knife that you're going, that you're looking at. And like, for example, the, the handmade blades that you'll see, and now we're getting into some money. You're going to spend at least $200 on a, on a handmade kitchen knife, but those will be higher carbon and easy, easy to sharpen. So if you, if you want to kind of to see what those you know what those are like get just get on youtube and and or google uh handmade kitchen knives and uh the japanese probably make the best cooking knives in the world uh, and uh knife makers in the us and other parts of the world that have studied in japan and learned from from them so yeah just do some poking around and get a get an idea of what really great knives look like and then you can kind of go well i like some of those you know this this Maybe this manufactured production knife has some of those qualities that I like in handmade knives, that kind of thing. You don't have to spend a ton of money. I would say for $60, you can get all the knife you'll ever need. If you want something splashy, then go for it. Uh, it's a great thing to spend good money on. It really is. I, I don't hesitate to spend good money on good knives. So Let's see. Shape is another thing to consider. That was carbon content, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, I rambled. Um, anyway, getting back to the, our list. Uh, standard shape. So don't try to avoid weird shapes, you know, innovate, quote unquote, innovative shapes. I don't like fluted blades with the little flutes that run up the side. Uh, you know, a, a good, a good knife will release the food just fine and learning how to use it, all that stuff. That's what that fluting is for. Or a, you know, a seriously dropped point knife, things like that. I, I just don't think it's necessary. Look for kind of an equal curve top and bottom to your kitchen knife. And then later, if you want to get into something, you know, funky and weird, you can experiment with another knife. I'm popping in for a few seconds to let you know that you can get all seven daily episodes of the camper van podcast for the coming week in advance. Plus the van sage newsletter delivered to your inbox every Sunday evening. There's a link in your podcast app right below this episode. Pause this show for a few seconds to click that link or head to vansage.com where you'll find a sign-up form so you can get the free podcast premium feed and the weekly newsletter loaded with excellent, valuable van life articles, pictures, links to resources, and more. And by the way, you know, if you buy a really great knife on Amazon and you just don't like it, you can return it. So keep that in mind. And, and there's nothing wrong with when the knife comes in, get a feel for it whether or not you like it right away and, and then try another one or order a couple and send one back or keep them both. Uh, let's see. Handle. You know, this is a funny one. They they claim that an all steel knife, I actually have a really nice uh, knife made in Portugal that's, that's steel from tip to the, to the base of the handle. It doesn't have any tine running under a wood, you know, wood handle pieces or anything like that or plastic. It's all, all one one piece of steel, and it works great for me. I don't have any slipping issues, but professionals will say don't get a steel-handled knife because it'll slip. But that's going to be up to you. I I still think that that wood handles are the best, that they grip the best, and that they they offer the best balance, and they're beautiful as well, or they can be. So, so you know, handles, you're going to figure out which handles you like. So, yeah, and then getting back to sharpness, a bit. I, the problem is, you know, 
I've got a sister who who claims she doesn't care about whether or not her knives are sharp and she doesn't bother to get them sharpened. And then I go over to her house and sharpen her knives and she starts going, where's that really sharp knife? <laughs> she enjoys using it more. But uh, the important thing is that a dull knife uh, will cause will cause injury because you're going to be overcompensating to get through tough food. And that's when you slip. A finger slips off the handle and winds up under the blade or uh, the, the knife curves on a long cut and winds up into the hold, the hand that you're holding the, the item down with, that kind of thing. So just don't ever allow dull knives of any kind in, in your camper van kitchen. You don't need an injury out on the road. You don't need to be suddenly dealing with a bunch of blood and all that stuff. Um, just don't put up with dull knives. And then so, yeah, and then again, sharp knives allow you to to cut without using your arm or wrist muscles or using them much less. And again, if you watch some YouTube videos of professional chefs working with steak or vegetables, you'll notice that they're, they're not flexing their muscles. That knife is gliding right through the food that they're cutting. And that's a wonderful thing when you start. If you're not used to sharp knives, this is really going to change your your thinking on on knives and, and improve your cooking experiences. So uh, keep your knives sharp. Get a stone and learn how to use it. Diamond stones. And I have a, a dual-sided, one side rough, one side much smoother or, you know, smoothest. So I can do kind of two stages of sharpening Another option is to just take them to a sharpening service and, and you can find sharpening services oftentimes at grocery stores. They'll, they'll sharpen it for you or they'll have a, a sharpener that comes in once a week and does all their knives in the butcher department, that is. So that's one location, one place to find a sharpening service. And I, there's, there's oftentimes people will post their services on Craigslist or in Yellow Pages or local services on Google. And then finally, I'll just talk uh, I'll just mention that a really nice thing to have is a steel, and that's the long, round, tapered rod with a handle on it. And you'll see butchers and chefs using this steel to, quote-unquote, sharpen the blade of their knife. But it's important to understand that the, the steel doesn't take metal off of the blade. And when you sharpen a knife blade, like with a stone or a machine, you're removing steel metal from the blade to make it the edge more fine. What a steel does is it aligns the teeth of the blade. So if you were to look under a microscope at the at a very high quality knife blade, what you'll what you would see is that it's jagged at a certain above a certain resolution. It looks like a saw. And those little teeth and that's and I mean every knife is like that when you when you get down to a finest fine enough resolution, and what happens is those little teeth as you're cutting and and you know thumping into the your cutting board and or into a bone or through various materials, the teeth get misaligned. So if you were to look at that under a microscope, you would see they're jagged, kind of folding back and forth, like a like a bent up saw. Um, again, that's at the microscopic level. So when you use a steel, what you're doing is you're you're sliding that blade down the shaft of the steel, and the steel has long, straight grooves in it, very fine grooves running the full length. And what that does is aligns those jagged teeth. And uh, if your knife is sharp and you've been using it for a while, you can run it up and down a steel a few times, and then your knife will cut better. It won't be sharper per se because you won't have removed any metal from the blade, but you can. It allows you to keep using it without going back to the sharpener, 
And so when you see a butcher or a chef running their blade over and over and over and over again on the steel, they don't really understand what that thing does. And they're trying to use it as a sharpening tool. And But don't do that. <laughs> Just grab the steel and the blade and go sh -sh 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 -sh, maybe three times each side of the blade, and then your knife will be ready to, to cut better. And again, you can go look at YouTube and look up how to use a steel, that kind of thing. Uh, okay, enough about knives. Once again, if you're hearing this, it's because you're not getting the premium fee. Head over to Vansage.com and enter your email address for exclusive access to free, valuable stuff. So, what do you get? This is a daily podcast, but we only release six episodes on this public feed each week. Episode 7 is only for premium members. When you sign up at Vansage.com, not only do you get early access to the Camper Van Podcast episodes, you also get Episode 7. Each week, I'll send you a link to download in advance all seven episodes for that week. Also, you get the Vansage.com newsletter that includes exclusive articles and links to awesome van life stuff not available on the site or the podcast. I won't spam you or sell your email address. That would be ridiculous. I value your trust and promise not to abuse it. Again, all this is free, so head to Vansage.com and enter your email address. Don't miss out on the valuable, free, exclusive extras. Okay, I have a favor to ask you. Please help get the word out. Nothing beats word of mouth, and the best way to achieve that in the modern era is to share the link to the Camper Van Podcast on social media, such as Facebook, Instagram, your blog, YouTube channel, or other platforms. You can also send it old school style via email or even text message. Also, iTunes reviews are much appreciated. If you feel compelled to head over to iTunes and give us five stars, that would be wonderful. Okay, thanks again for tuning in, and I will see you on the road. I've got the blue about me, so and so, and I've got the blue about me. Come on.